0: Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan, and I'm joined today by someone that I've known now for roughly 20 years, which is bizarre, because I Mm -hmm. don't feel like we're old enough to say that yet. (laughs) Um, This is my friend, Bridie. And Bridie and I, you and I met, I want to say, was it in middle school?
1: Yeah, yeah. Back in junior high. Um, So I actually was born in Ohio, and I my parents were educators, so they kind of jumped from job to job for about nine years, eight or nine years. Eventually, we made our way back to um, Southern Indiana, which is where my dad grew up. Um, and that's when I kind of stayed put there. I went to Catholic school and elementary school, and then I joined up the, into the public school, <laughs> right?
0: And that's right. when I met her. It was yes. public school. Where were you public from in Ohio, school. by the way? Uh,
1: Springfield, Ohio.
0: Okay. I'm also originally from Ohio. My parents moved here when I was three. So I'm always curious. We're up towards the Cleveland area though.
1: Oh yeah, that's a fun state too, isn't it?
0: (laughs) I love Ohio. I still—I mean, my dad's one of eight kids, so I have lots of aunts and uncles and cousins all along the shores of Lake Erie. So yes, I used to think that that's where I was going to move back. I used to tell people I wasn't from Indiana and I was from Ohio, even though I have no memories from living in Ohio at all. Uh But I like claimed it as my state for a significant portion of my
1: life. Oh yeah, yep, yep. It's a it's a great state, really. It's So just
0: if you were to give people, we'll go back and dive into the past some, but to summarize quickly, like if you were writing your bridey bio right now, how would you describe you?
1: Oh goodness. Um, and, aimless artist i guess (laughs) um i okay if i were to go back um, i will will go back
0: and actually dive into this i'm just giving people a quick synopsis like if i was holding the book of bridie and i was reading the little paragraph on the back of the book
1: Uh what would you say dancer to choreographer to business owner to artist that's it you got just all sorts of art things and uh just um, mother of three. Mother of three. That's important. <laughs> <laughs> that's important stuff. Yeah, you know the three kids who have really shaped my life, and um, yeah, I, I your baby right now. By the way, okay. So I have a six-year-old, I have a two-year-old, and I have a three-month-old. She's a quarantine Oof. baby. Yeah, I yeah.
0: forgot you're still in like the young, young ages of the newborn life. <laughs> yeah, oh lord.
1: Yeah, it's great. And they're all, they actually are all so sweet to each other. And, um, it's been very amusing to watch literally every part of their lives here for the past year, <laughs> you know, so you know,
0: I, I've seen, um, I love as we like close a year, open a year, people have actually stopped to put out the silver linings mm-hmm. of the year. Yep. And I too feel that same way. I mean, you and I both have three kids. Mine are just a step ahead of where yours are just a little bit because I've got a seven to five and a 13 month old mm-hmm. and being actually home. I have been home because of maternity leave and the pandemic, all of its six weeks of the last 14 months,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and which is very weird because I'm used to being out of the home for 50 to 60 hours a week. And I've gotten to witness every single moment of my youngest life. I've never gotten to see
1: that ever. Right. right, No. And, um, it's the funniest part is that my oldest was just getting started and he was in kindergarten last year. Um, he is on the autism spectrum. So, um, he has an IEP that we've been, you know, hammering out the details of it to make sure that he succeeds in school or at least, you know, is able to be in a classroom, you know, and, um, so it actually worked out for the best that we ended up having and being in a school district here in baltimore where they kind of committed all the way to virtual learning um he loves computers and he has learned more by doing virtual learning than than he would have in the classroom you know because you're working on the social skills and and i'm realizing now that he doesn't even care so much about the social (laughs) aspect of school so much as the learning and the computer games that he gets to play. Is he in first grade this year? He's in first grade this year. Yep. Mm -hmm. So
0: our sons, while a year apart are in the same class. Um, My son missed the age cutoff. So he turned seven at the very, very, I mean, front of the school year. So they're actually both first graders. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I was talking to one of my other friends and her son is actually the exact same age as your son and my son. And her son is also, she thinks on the autism spectrum Uh and um, he has been thriving in virtual learning.
1: It's, it's very interesting because, um, there's a lot of parents I'm in like 10 different Facebook communities of autism, parents and adults with autism, you know, just learning about what it is. And, and, um, there's, it's really twofold. I mean, that the people who have really struggled are the ones who are, um, and they're sort of getting rid of like functioning labels in within the autism spectrum. Um, but there's, there are a lot of children who are struggling a lot, um, because they need AIDS. They need, um, you know, hands-on learning at all times. And how do you give that at all you know to to kids when you're committed to virtual learning but for for my son and you know there's there's a a group of of kids who really are thriving because they the where my son needed an aid was for the social aspect for the listening to the teacher when there's sounds loud and echoing in a room you know and um So there's, there's a group of kids who are really thriving and there's another group who really are struggling because they need more physical help, you know? So, um, you know,
0: I, I I say friends because I don't want to obviously say their names. Another one of my friends, her son has an IEP when he's in school Mm -hmm. and they have not qualified during virtual learning to get their own because he's, they don't consider him Needy enough for it, so virtual learning Uh is a virtual nightmare for her because she doesn't possess the skills to be able to help him in that additional way. And I mean, it's virtual learning. I mean, my kids have been one of the blessed ones because I have extra help in the house with my parents. They have been thriving and continuing to learn. But I know so many people that, of course, that is not the case. Yeah. Whether it's that they their kids just aren't thriving in that, or they need additional help at school. Or beyond. I mean, it's just the craziest year. I'm so happy to hear that your son is doing well, if yeah. not even better. Um, he so- still struggles.
1: I mean, he still struggles with the um, focusing on his teacher while she's talking. Um, oh, yes. And what he he's so incredibly good at computers. It it that's the worst part about it is kind of controlling him on the computer. It's Um, On the days where I find him successfully listening and participating, I round the corner, and sure enough, Leighton's put on a filter of a shark face on his head, (laughs) and that's what's keeping him entertained and listening to the teacher at the time. Or he's done something like um, turn the entire computer into Hebrew language, and he still knows how to turn it back. That's the one I'm like— Layton, I thought I was good with computers, but you, my son, are incredible. <laughs> so you know its what?
0: I'm hilarious. pretty sure i learned how to manipulate a Google Meet better than I have.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Change <laughs> buttons fun. all the
0: time, and I'm so amazed. Um, taking a step back just slightly, mm-hmm. because when I asked you what your synopsis would be on the back of your own book, which I've never asked somebody that question before, so thank <laughs> you for answering so quickly, you immediately said dancer, Uh At what point in your life did you start dancing?
1: Um, Age three. My mother put me in dance and I really ran with it. Um, It came really naturally to me. And um, she did that thing. My parents both did that thing where they, you put your kids in all the activities and see which ones that they thrive in and, you know, would like to pursue. And I always had meltdowns anytime I was thrown into any other activity but dance. So... (laughs) So, I've been a dancer since I was three, and um, I was at the Louisville Ballet in um, their like youth company for up until junior high, yeah, up until middle school. So um, I did wow. all the Nutcracker performances and, and things like that. <laughs> so
0: were, you um, a, were you into ballet? or were you into all forms of dance?:
1: Initially, ballet. Ballet was my um, favorite and my strength. Um, But I got really bored um, and understimulated. So I really wanted to pursue more styles of dance. So I, that's when I joined the dance team at, at our high school. Yeah.
0: So that's, and that's also where I remember you greatly. So you and I actually graduated high school together mm-hmm. and you were actually the captain of our dance team. And I think for people who obviously did not grow up in the same area, did not go to our high school, they think i oh, <laughs>
1: just a dance team,
0: but I don't think they realized that
1: it our, was the dance team.
0: Yeah. It was the national championship reigning dance team. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Those were great days. Honestly, it was, um, Uh, anybody who was on the team will speak so highly about um, what it did for them in high school. You know, it was such a well-rounded program. And, um, you know, like with any program, you have highs and lows, you know, whether it's dance team or any other sport. But um, it was probably my favorite time of my youth, for sure, was being on that dance team. But you were the captain
0: when you graduated, weren't you?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my senior when, year.
0: When okay, I'm gonna compare this, and I know you're gonna know, probably know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I watched Cheer on Netflix. Uh-huh. And was winning those championships some of the like highlights of your life?
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, it. Oh, the size of the competition was insane. The atmosphere going into the competition was, it felt like the Olympics. I mean, it was um, so many teams. You don't really realize how many teams there are in the nation until you go to nationals. And um, and then to know that, you know, we went to the biggest national competition that there was, and um, it was inspiring it was um really it was an experience that i'll never experience again so it's it was definitely life-changing it was a great program to be a part of and it still is i follow them now yeah Yeah.
0: i mean i will say that i was I was a lover of the arts in the sense of, I played violin from mm-hmm. third grade through senior of high school. I did orchestra, I did theater, This I did singing lessons. The one area I was not, was I tried dance lessons. That was not <laughs> for me. But I was, I know that there was like the popular kids, the most popular kids in school. Uh-huh. I felt like uniquely our class was not quite as bad as other classes. I agree. I felt like I was friends with the captains of the dance team, but I was also friends with the captain of, or with the president of student council. Like we were all kind of fluid throughout different groups of people and able to dabble in being a straight A student, but also the captain of the dance team.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I think I really only had one close friend in high school, maybe two, two close friends in high school. Um, but like I look and I, I look at my Facebook list now of all my friends from high school and I still can have like very casual conversations with anybody, you know. We all kind of molded and blended into each other's groups, you know, even if it was just a touch here or there. It was really nice to be part of that kind of a class. Definitely
0: really. I've tried to explain that to other people and I think they think that I'm kidding or they're Mm -hmm. like, Oh, that's because you were one of the popular kids. And I'm like, no, I really wasn't at all. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really fascinating too, because when I look at like who my best friends were in high school, I, Was I'm probably still only best friends with one of those people, but I'm still Mm -hmm. good friends. Like you said, I can talk to the people that I was either friends with in high school or people that I grew up with that I wasn't necessarily friends with at the time that I am really close to now. And somehow the commonality of growing up together is still relevant, even though we were not good friends in high school. So
1: maybe we were just really mature, you know? Yeah, Yeah. we were just really mature, you know. I just I I think that we were more mature than other people. So. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know what? I'm just happy that we both can look back on high school because I will say some of my like theater moments in high school are still some of my favorite moments of my youth for sure. I don't look back at high school and think, oh my God, I would never do that again. There are some things that I'm like, oh my gosh, I would love to live in that moment mm-hmm. that day. Right, right
1: then. Right. So
0: tell me about your your family a little bit more. Your sister was also a dancer,
1: correct? She was. And she her class had popular groups, and she was in. She was one of the popular kids for sure. I would say that, um, and she would probably deny that or kind of, um, you know, downplay it. But she did follow my lead with joining the dance team. She used to be a, a gymnast before, but. <laughs> we are tall people in our family and it's hard to be a tall gymnast. So she, (laughs) she switched over to dance early on. And then, um, my little brother, um, he was seven years younger than me. Connor, he, um, played basketball in high school. Of course, my, my dad and my dad's side of the family, they're all what I lovingly call basketball legends of the area. (laughs) And, um, Michelle and family kind of really is, um, known for their, their basketball skills and, you know, going out and playing at various, you know, schools and, um, and D1. So, um, my mom was, so my dad actually taught at our high school. He was a counselor, guidance counselor, I believe. Yeah. And he also was a head coach of the team, basketball team there. And then my mom, um, worked her way up you know, into the administration over at greater Clark, um, school district. She was the, she ended up being the assistant superintendent over there. So family of educators and two dancers and a basketball player.
0: Um, yeah. So how, how, okay. How often were you guys able to sit down and having normally normal
1: family dinner? We tried to, I would say my mom really tried to get that to happen about once a week Um, but it, you know, when you're in activities, you're running all over the place. And so it probably was the greatest thing to say,
0: dance practice, basketball practice, a basketball coach, all of that is evening activities.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, but if there's one thing that she really taught specifically, um, and kind of instilled in me and how I raise my kids is when you find something that your kids thrive in, you don't necessarily push them into doing it but you make sure to facilitate that need you know like if I was really good at dance so she made sure that I had all the resources that I needed that she could afford to get me the best dance program um for me and then she never really got involved she wasn't like a uh what do you what do you call them Uh, living vicariously through your children you know um she she saw my strengths and to let me run with it. And she tried to facilitate that as much as possible. And the same with my, you know, sister and brother. So that's something that I've always kind of tried to take notice of with with my kids. And um, now as my oldest is getting older, I'm seeing the things that he's naturally interested in and not necessarily good at, but what he's interested in that's where I'm like, okay, maybe we can homeschool for another year, possibly, if that's what he wants to do. You know, if he's getting something out of it, you know, it's it's kind of looking to your kids to lead, you know, um, to kind of lead in how they want to grow up. And so...
0: You know, that's something that I've always wanted to be able to do for my kids, too. I've never wanted to... My parents, you're right, didn't force me. My dad was actually a high school basketball, a women's high school basketball coach oh, yeah. um, in his formative years. And then he was once my basketball coach all through grade school. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden in middle school, I looked at my dad and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not right. having fun anymore. And he was like, okay, stop. Yeah. And I switched to theater and they never pushed me in any other direction. And they let me be. And I, I always greatly appreciated that. I w- that was not a like, no, you need to stick with this type of thing. Right. Um, they knew that I wanted to be somewhere else. Although I've been watching my kids too, as far as trying to figure out what do they like? And this year, of course I was going to start my daughter. She, you would love this. She, Mm -hmm. um, puts on shows she'll get out her karaoke machine she'll command that we put music and then she will do performances and make up her own little dances and songs and then she'll go change princess dresses come back do a separate performance and then make you announce her as another princess and she'll run back and forth in and out of the room doing all these dances and i'm like i wish i could i need to get her in like performance dance classes but then Thanks to the pandemic yeah. I'm like maybe we can wait another year although oh, in my man. mind I've got that oh gosh she'll be 6 is that too late to start dance and I'm like she's only 6
1: <laughs> Oh yeah yeah exactly nope no, she'll, she'll be fine. And it sounds more like she's a performance actress. <laughs> yes, she, is. She,
0: she really is all about the performance as well, but she, uh, she's such a, she's such a fun little thing. Um, so I can't wait to be able to get her in something just to see what she really does thrive at. Cause I can't wait. Cause I do think it's important for kids to, to get involved in some things, um, mm-hmm. whatever it is they enjoy. Cause I just think it gives you, even if it's one two, ten 10 friends, it gives you some sort of family foundation and discipline to already figure out time management because good god the amount you practiced as a dancer while maintaining school is insane yeah oh it was
1: a commitment for sure um
0: do you think that helped set you up for after like for later in life though
1: yeah in, in a lot of ways yes it um, I don't think I've ever worked harder physically than I did whenever I was on the dance team. Um, I've never even worked out as hard as I did. Um, you know, it's... But I think more than that, it was... Um, okay, this is hard, but it's only going to get harder if you don't deliver now. Um, and so I think that I... Learned a lot about work ethic and not complaining, um, just through being on the dance team there and, and in college too, because I I went to, um, university of Louisville for a year, then I took a year off and then I did it another year. Um, a lot of that was depression related was taking a year off and, um, I went through that pretty bad in high school as well and still do now. Um, so that's a whole other topic that we could you know go dive into but <laughs>
0: that something you have just like learned to recognize as you've grown up like you can feel yourself sliding or feel yourself having the symptoms again is that something that grows with age that at least you can identify it a little bit more to help
1: yeah the ability to identify it came over time and Came from the recognition of it wasn't just like adolescent depression. Um, it turned out it was clinical depression, and and um, there's just times where I just look around at the world and I can get really deep and really really down about what is happening and um, and where my place is in the world and. Um, You know, a person can have dream after dream after dream like I do. And I can't um, necessarily hone in on one aspect of my life that I want to commit to for the rest of my life. And I think that um, for me, a lot of the times I when I was younger, I knew that there were going to be physical limitations for me, um, because of my epilepsy and because of kind of the way that my brain thought I I had a hard time committing to school, um, committing to anything other than dance, which, you know, I would consider my special interest then. And, um, so I knew that I was going to be a person who needed more help than a lot of people. And because of that, I think, I really hit depression hard and young. Um, So really you could go back to whenever my first seizure, I was seven years old. Um, That's when I was diagnosed with epilepsy. And I was, um, a lot of seizures um, are, or a lot of epilepsy patients are put on antidepressants, which are also anti-seizure medications. And so I've been on antidepressants since I was seven years old. And I think that having that now at 34 years old, I look back and I'm like, well, no wonder you couldn't figure things out. You were on antidepressants since you were seven, you know? And I think it's, um, I've started to be able to recognize a lot of my own health issues when they start to arise. Like if I'm experiencing fatigue or, um, you know cognitive function issues um i can recognize it now in a way that i couldn't then um and because i was so young i had a hard time talking about it um and you know my parents were teachers and there was a lot of just natural pressure to you know be a good student to not do anything wrong and um or not to feel bad, essentially, you know, like to present well. And I really wasn't. Um, so high school was very hard for me emotionally, physically. Um, but, I mean, I, I look back and I still can say it was one of the best times of my life. Um, when I went to college, it was very, very hard for me to be by myself. And I really could not get out of bed I, would, I think I went to classes for a week and then I could not get out of bed except for to go to dance practice because that's where, you know, that's the only reason I even got into school was because of dance. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that the commitment that I had in dance um, was so overwhelming and there were thousands of things I really wanted to try besides dance. I wanted to... um I wanted to be in theater, like full time. I wanted to be in drawing classes full time. I wanted to do all of these things. And there was no way that I could manage any of that. Um, So I feel like I was really good at dance, but also kind of forced into making that a career because that's, I had my whole life's experience up until that point, you know, in college with dance. So I ended up running with it. And it gave me a good career in choreography and I ended up, you know, building a business with some friends of mine, um, you know, a a competition business. And that was wonderful, but it eventually took my health really deteriorating after I had kids that I had to realize that, um, it, was time to start focusing on other things and if I really wanted to do a lot of other things to make it happen kind of as quickly as possible. And now I'm sort of in a, because of my multiple sclerosis diagnosis and my um, physical limitations, I'm having to learn how to forgive myself for not succeeding in other areas in the same way that I did with dance um that's also hard to deal with with depression <laughs> so um but it's a different kind of perspective on family life and just daily life as a human so that's kind of where I'm at now <laughs> just so i
0: i grew up with someone that was epileptic and by grew up, I mean like they were someone who lived in my house. My family took care of him. Mm-hmm. He was like a grandfather to me. And his, when his mom passed away, he couldn't take care of himself. So my parents took him in. Um, and it's – are you dependent on medication to make sure that you don't have
1: seizures? So the epilepsy that I have um, – Technically, it's not classified as epilepsy anymore. Um, right. I have, I still have seizure-like activity when I sleep, um, things like grinding my teeth and um, just kind of mumbling. And um, but now, a lot of people apparently, and I learned this as I got as I was older, um, your epilepsy is sort of childhood or like wow. adolescent. Um, uh-huh. and then the brain continues to develop, and you kind of phase out of it. So the, I think it's called pediatric epilepsy or something like okay. that. Um, so that's pretty much what I had. But I still get, um, you know, EEGs and MRIs to check out my brain because now I am diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and that's of the brain as well. So, yeah. Um, so- what what point did you receive that diagnosis after my first born um my son layton he was born and um i was having symptoms of multiple sclerosis um things like vertigo um mild fever hot flashes um and just tingling in my extremities like my fingertips or my feet and um A little bit more than just like my legs asleep. That feeling would happen frequently whenever I was, you know, it used to be whenever I was like sitting cross-legged, but then it became like, oh, you're standing and now your legs asleep. So that was, um, it was things like that, that were kind of tipping me off that I was having some other kind of neurological issues. Um, I was dealing with trying to get diagnosed for anything um, before I was pregnant with Leighton, then when you're pregnant, apparently with multiple sclerosis, a lot of your symptoms, it's common for them to kind of disappear for a little bit or just kind of be a lot less than they were. Um, Apparently the hormones that you have when you're pregnant, they even kind of use those as treatments for multiple sclerosis too, because they kind of, um, yeah, they're, they kind of fight off a lot of what your body's doing to itself naturally, I guess. So, um, after I had Layton, it was about three months after that. My, um, my symptoms of MS started really kicking into high gear. Uh, I was going through a, um, I guess they call it an exacerbation and um, my the worst it ever was. I thought that I had a stroke. I had the sharp pain in my left eye and over the span of 20 minutes, there was a burning sensation that went all the way across my left, the left side of my face and down my neck, my left arm and into like my waist area and that, I went to the ER and um, they, you know, told me to see my, near, my neurologist. Of course, I didn't really do anything there, which um, I said, I think I'm having a stroke. And they were like, well, can you feel this when you touch your left arm? Yes, but my arm is burning. <laughs> so they were like, well, go see your neurologist. So about two weeks later, I ended up being diagnosed um, or yeah, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. They gave me, my neurologist gave me an MRI for the first time and saw lesions on my brain. And, um, then yeah, eventually that feeling went away then the burning. Um, but that's what they call an exacerbation. If you're having, um, or like if it's progressing, your symptoms are new and they last for more than, 48 hours essentially. So now I'm to a point where I've had almost every symptom in the book of multiple sclerosis and they all kind of exist together. So, but I'm nothing is new. So nothing is really progressing for me right now, but all of my symptoms are kind of mild and all together. So things like vertigo happens once or twice a day. Um, tingling sensations all day long randomly and, um, fatigue hits me nonstop. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fun. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Um, I, that, I mean, I really, when I was diagnosed, that was about the time that I was, um, I hit another kind of, circumstantial depression at that point just like oh god i've been dancing my whole life what am i gonna do now um so then i paired up with a friend of mine and um started this company with the hopes that i would um be able to build something that would eventually financially be able to take care of my health needs to you know like i want to start this company let it run and then um you know, because a dancer's career does not make a lot of money. So, <laughs>
0: uh, I, think so. I would also say longevity, right? I mean, do right. if, if you reach a certain age if you're
1: not a performer? Uh-huh. What are you doing? Yeah. So I, I, although I probably looking back could have performed. Um, I really was nervous about going out and auditioning for shows because, and I think that's probably because I wasn't in theater as much as I wanted to be. Um, But I, um, I ended up doing choreography because I really loved creating productions. And I still, even now I have these dreams of like, Oh, I'm going to go find a high school somewhere and choreograph their shows. (laughs) And just, um, you know, do, I, I ended up doing choreography and making a really big, Uh, as successful of a career in choreographing dance teams (laughs) routines as you can. So um, it was a small living, but it was my living. And I was very confident doing that. So after it's still very physically taxing to do that though, to even be a choreographer. So, um, you know, a lot of the times you have to demonstrate moves and I was getting less and less able to demonstrate things. Um, So, That's when I looked into starting my business that took off. It went really well, but I couldn't, that also ended up being a lot more physically taxing than I needed my life to be. So I stepped out of that business and, um, now I'm looking at ways to stay at home and be creative with my kids. And, um, honestly, raising kids is, A newfound special interest for me, childhood development is, I think, probably because I went through so much kind of, um, I I went through a lot as a child. Yeah. I hate Because of health or because of your own, like, because of personal reasons? Both. I'd say both. Um, But a lot of it rooted in um, the development of the brain, really. Like, I can look back now and be like, oh, you know what? there was something going on with your brain. There was a chemical imbalance, and maybe that's part of the reason why you had some social issues, you know? And um, the more that I learn about my brain, the more I kind of understand what's going on with my son's brain. And then I look at my next child, my second child, and I'm like, wow, you know, by by neuro standards, he's considered neurotypical. And I'm like, this is strange to (laughs) watch a child hit every milestone in the way that they're supposed to. And, um, you know, just because like I hadn't seen it with my first. And then I remember um, growing up, you know, milestones and and things are like I was I was really kind of naturally smart too, just like my oldest. And um, I remember my mom giving me assessments um you know the standardized tests that you get um you know whenever I was in first grade she gave me one for um I think it was like for eighth grade or whatever the next big standardized test one you take and I passed that really well and she was like this is um something to take note of so there was a lot of um you know I think looking back on my childhood, like my actual childhood, I can really compare it a lot to my sons now. And and I'm really interested in making him feel a little bit differently than I did, you know, a lot more accepted, you know, in the community, I guess. And um, like his strengths are just, you know, nothing to write home about. Sure. They're, they're great, but I don't want him to feel pressure to, do those things that he's strong at if he doesn't like them, you know, and um, I think that's kind of where we know a lot more about autism than we did then. And, um, you know, through further um, discussion with my therapist, even, you know, there's, I'm possibly on the spectrum myself, looking at all of my characteristics and comparing them to you know, my child's now. And I think that it would be very interesting to go through and kind of I what they used to do is they would, you would see someone in your class back then, you know, when we were growing up and say, that child is challenged or that child is, um, uh, you know, you know, the really mean people would say retarded, you know, it, that's just a horrible word uh, at all to say now we know. (laughs) Um, But if you look back at kids who may have struggled when we were growing up, those are the kids now who have diagnosis, diagnoses of dyslexia, autism, all of these things, you know, and um, so it's kind of a passion of mine to make sure that I advocate for him Fully in a way that maybe a child like myself or someone else wasn't, and now are dealing with the mental repercussions of that. So,
0: you know, I don't remember hearing that word at all when we were growing up.
1: No, no. And that's, I think that's the biggest issue right now is that people are blaming vaccines for it. And because it's in your head, if you think about it, it's that has to be it there's more vaccines now than there were, you know, but if you look at our class, there was still the same amount of kids who were having a hard time and who needed extra help. It's just that the resources were not there and the the terminology wasn't there, you or know, you mean
0: probably the research. hmm and know what to look for and diagnose it because there are so many things. And again, I, I hate that it sounds like we are so old. We're not old. No, that's the thing. That's just how much it has changed. Yep, in the last fifteen years that we've been out of high school.
1: Yep, exactly. And I
0: mean, I I'm so thankful that these there are kids that are being set up more for success. I mean. I feel like so many other kids, they would just be like, "Oh, I, I'm, I, I have learning disabilities, so I'm just, I'm not going to be successful." Hold on a second,
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, yeah. I
0: mean, then learn a different way, and that's what I think we're learning now is that they may just need to be taught in a different manner, right? But they're still just as smart. I mean, I can remember again my family member who grew up with us. I mean, that was a much different time. But Mm -hmm. once they found out he was epileptic, he lost his job. Yeah, And because they thought he was a risk and he worked for IBM when IBM began the computer company, Mm -hmm. he was one of the smartest mathematicians that could rattle off the equations and answers to massive math problems by snapping his fingers and not even had a pen on pen and paper in his hand. And this was like this up until he passed. But because he was epileptic, they never even gave him a chance. Wow. so, I mean, it's like where you see where we've come. I mean, mm-hmm. nowadays, obviously, that's a massive lawsuit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was it wasn't. So, he basically had to live a life thinking that he he literally stocked grocery shelves after that. Oh.
1: Because oh. he had a seizure at work. Oh, and
0: God. They, I mean, it's just like we've come a long way. Mm-hmm. There's such a longer way to go. And I think that what a perspective you have to see, well, see it in yourself and then see the difference be- between your sons. And mm-hmm. then a challenge of how to parent them. You're the same parent, but you almost have to be a different parent,
1: too. Yep. And and it's funny because whenever I, he was diagnosed, whenever my son was diagnosed, I remember immediately flocking to, like, the autism mom community. Like, we're all moms, and we all have kids with autism. And then there was more, just even in this, like, I, let's see, because he was diagnosed when he was two, two and a half, Um, and so now it's almost four years later. So within four years, he was, or, or the groups that I kind of joined were, it went from being autism moms to autism inclusivity because more and more there was this movement within the autism community of adults who were getting diagnosed who were like, you know what? stop treating your kid. Like a lot of my issues are because it had this huge stigma around it, even growing up, like, especially women, women now are, um, it's kind of learned knowledge that girls and women present autism differently than boys. Women have the ability to mask their, um, their social anxieties and their, um, uh, depression or their struggles with cognitive issues there because we're women and we naturally go into like click mode. You blend in with the girls around you and there's already that, you know, pressure to, to blend in with the people around you. So women are, um, generally they develop faster, you know, girls, Oh, yeah. In children, they develop faster mentally than than boys. So, of course, girls would, you know, on the spectrum would learn. Hey, I gotta fit in in order to survive. So, um, so now there's this whole community of you know adults on the spectrum who are like, hey, you know, like I don't need a functioning label. I function, you know in this way. And someone else on the spectrum is going to function a different way, but I can make it in the world. I can have it. I've done it. You know, like there's this whole group of adults who are like, stop calling yourselves autism moms, you know, and making that like a whole, let's all connect because, you know, our kids are struggling, you know, just help your kids, you know, just make sure that they have the same resources that the kid next to them does and don't make it about this is a super challenge for me as a mom you know like it's it's not about that it's about raising your kid it's about making your child not feel that shame that these other adults do you know on the spectrum because they were they were taught you know they were told they were challenged growing up they were told that there was something wrong with them and now they're adults and they have a diagnosis and they know how to get the right therapies. And, and, you know, it's not that big of a deal. (laughs) So they're trying to lift that stigma um, around the word autism and, you know, anti-vaxxers don't help that. But there is a, there's, that's what I think a lot more adults are trying to do is just advocate for, you know, these kids now who are growing up, knowing that they have a diagnosis and, Making sure that those kids don't feel the shame that, you know, these adults ended up having. So,
0: so about, so you just had a three month old. Oh, yeah. Or you have a three month old. <laughs> so, back me up a little bit into the personal life beho- beyond your kids. Sure. On what is going on beyond Bridie and like what's going on in your atmosphere?
1: Sure. I, um, so I was married and I got divorced. Um, let's see, that was 2000. It was early 2019 that my divorce was finalized. Um, but I had, um, been married before and had two kids with, um, with my ex-husband. And, um, over time, my, I think my desire to, you know, build this business, kind of pulled me away from the home. And um while I still was very much, I was a mom who was working and taking her kids to work, you know, all the time. Um But I, um, I guess with, I don't really want to go too much into my divorce because it was just, too. Okay. Um because, you know, he's a good person and I, I um we well, just You you
0: came out the other side because you now have a lovely man in your
1: life. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um and I feel so lucky about that. Um
0: How did you meet him? Um
1: through match. (laughs)
0: match. yes, yes, I love hearing that so many people that I, well, especially I feel like people I know that have gotten divorced at some point. They're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to find online, online dating. And I'm like, do you know how many people I know that have actually met their husbands on online dating?
1: (laughs) Uh huh. Yeah, no, it's, we met through match and it was just, um, really natural. Just, uh, we just kind of hit it off. And I think what's great about dating apps kind of is, uh, you know, you put everything out there unless you're a person who doesn't put anything out there, but a lot of people do. So, so, so
0: you met him. He immediately was fine with the fact that you had two little boys
1: Mm Mm-hmm. and
0: wanted to be a part of your life.
1: Um, yeah, he was very, very accepting of, you know, my situation of having two kids and young kids and, he'd wanted a family too. So
0: how, what is your relationship like with your parents? I know again, from perception on social media, I see that you seem close with your mom. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. My dad's not on social media, Um, but he and I are, are, we kind of had a strained relationship Growing up, because you know he was the guidance counselor and the head coach at my high school, and I was a weird kid, and I really didn't like <laughs> having my dad at school. So there was um, a kind of a strained relationship there growing up. But over time, that has kind of I talked I've talked to him throughout the year, and um, my parents got divorced whenever I was in my early twenties. Um, you know, without going too much into detail there. I just, I developed a really close relationship with my mother because she was, um, she always made sure that she tried as hard as she could to help me in any way, whether that was mentally, physically, you know, with my kids, she's always made herself and her presence, you know, in my life, very known. And, and so we, are very close. And, um, and then, you know, my dad has, you know, he moved back to Ohio actually and is teaching there now. And, um, we are, we're fine. You know, we have a pretty good relationship now, but, um, I think my, with my dad, I went my little brother passed away a few years ago, um, in a car accident. So after that happened, I kind of wanted to make sure that I didn't have any sort of strain in my relationship with my dad anymore. And, um, so I've kind of, I've spoken to him more and tried to make sure that he's part of my life and, um, part of my kids' lives. And, you know, even if it's a little bit and, you know, it's it's there, so so yeah. Brady I just wanted
0: to say that I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you, thank you. It's
1: he was young, you know. It, he was 23, I believe, at the time, and um, so I think it's it's very hard to deal with death for anybody. I don't want to you know take away that from anybody, but if you are a person who has ever experienced the loss of someone you know suddenly and um at a young age it's that's it's, you know you have a lot of questions about what life is like and what it should be like for you after after something like that so i kind of when he passed away i kind of really started looking at my health and my my life in general <clears throat> sorry and i uh, Just kind of wanted to make sure that every day I felt good at the end of the day about that day. You know, even if it was crappy, I knew that I tried really hard and I tried to stay connected to the people that I love the most. And um, telling everybody that you love them every day is never, you know, enough to do. (laughs) So, So, yeah, we miss him. My family misses him quite a bit. Um, and grief comes in waves for, you know, the loss of him, but we are all just doing the best that we can.
0: Again, I hate that. I like, I see you from afar and then I, occasionally you and I will swap back and forth, typically on Instagram stories, Mm -hmm. little things. And I would never wish that upon any family. No, no, no. And it's one of, I. I knew I wanted to talk to you, and you and I talked before we even turned on the microphones because you've been so honest in such an amazing way that I knew you had a story. Mm-hmm. I knew that you've always been a fun, joyous person, but you were also dealing with so many darker things. That you're right. You to- women do know how to mask, mm-hmm. and it is beautiful to see you as a mom because you're hilarious. Um, <laughs> because if you can't laugh about being a mom, um, it's really hard.
1: <laughs> being a um, mom is just the ugliest thing. I mean, it really is.
0: <laughs> so hard and no one can tell you what to do. Mm-mm. Every. I mean, every kid is different. So even when you think you got the hang of something, you have another one who changes the game and you have no idea what's going on. Yep. So, but I know I will let you go because you've got three kiddos in the back too. (laughs) What is next on your plate? I know you said you're an aimless artist Mm -hmm. and I know you're you're right now, obviously with a three month old, you've got a lot going on Mm -hmm. in virtual learning, but I know you've also written a book, a children's book. So I know that you are harnessing that art.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So that's that's actually probably the project that I loved doing the most was writing a children's book. And um, so I'm going in that route and – I'm actually back in school. <laughs> I, applied, yeah, I applied to uh, art school and I got in and I was surprised. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to do this and it's all online now. <laughs> so so that's what I'm doing. I'm in art school and I'm kind of focused on illustration. Um, and I'm just kind of taking as many art classes as I can, whatever's available and accredited online and, um, making things just making things that are weird and don't have i think that's kind of my thing is right now you're i i I did marketing for a while for the job you know in my business and um you're kind of encouraged to find a theme you know for whatever it is that you do and kind of make things cohesive and right now I'm experimenting in everything so nothing that I do makes any sense cohesively together but I'm like how do I make this a brand <laughs> how do I make the you know the whole life where it doesn't make sense and the art that you're just experimenting with anything and everything. And I love doing all of it. So how do I make it all blend together? (laughs) And, um, I think that's my greatest, you know, challenge right now is making as much art as I, you know, feel like it and writing more. And, um, I'm really creatively doing a lot more than I ever have. Um, but I'm still learning and I really like the fact that I'm 34 and I'm back in school and I'm actually able to complete, I just completed my first semester with, um, I did that and I had a baby at the start of it. (laughs) And so I was like, I was like, this is kind of badass. I can pat myself on the back for doing that. (laughs) And so I'm not one to really do that you know but i I've, i'm trying to do that more i'm trying to pat myself on the back more for things and um yeah so Pat yourself
0: on the back. That is incredible. And you will figure out how to make some incorporated to put all of the different umbrellas that you have underneath it because you're more than capable of doing it. You've you are capable of doing so many amazing things because you have done them and you've also persevered through some of the hardest obstacles people could throw your way. So with that being said, you're just at the beginning of your greatness. I can see that for sure. And in the throes of motherhood, nonetheless. So my fellow three <laughs> kids, mom, just know that whenever you're in those moments where you're not sure to like whether to cry sad tears or laugh and cry because it's so absurd. Some of the things you get yourself into as a mom, you're not alone. Yep. I'm right here. <laughs> Even from afar in another part of the country, I'm right here. And um, Bridie, you're amazing. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. And I can't wait until we talk again.
1: Well, you are amazing, too. And thank you for doing this for moms everywhere. It's just as good of a therapy session as my therapy sessions with <laughs> my therapist. So, so you're really awesome.
0: You're I'm making people hash it out with me and then realize it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
1: well, great work.